Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. We're back. Uh, broadcasting from my living room because nobody's taken us in yet. So, you know. <laughs> if you have a car garage that you'd like to let us sleep in, I mean work in. Uh, <laughs> I put on Avance to get bids for new concrete finally. I've been yeah. trying to follow through to get that laid before winter. And it's hard to get a, a contractor out to do any of that work right now. Is it hard just to get a contractor period because of what's going on or just... Yeah, like they were, everybody's just booked out for a month still. And prices have come down, right? I mean, that's the, that's the thing, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to sell a few kidneys. Both. You don't need those. <laughs> just drink less. Yeah, no kidding. It'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, but uh, I figured we would start off. Water. Yeah. <laughs> the brain has got water in it. Exactly. talked about. Ish. Yeah. Water-ish. Yeah. We will introduce our guest very momentarily, but you might recognize that voice. But... um. Yeah, it's our Carter Automotive Group tip of the week. Uh, obviously, I did some road tripping around Europe, around Iceland. Saved myself a little bit of money. Talked about that last week about using a rental car broker. That's a good one, too. But uh, one of the other things you can do, um, people still don't know this. I think it's, I thought it was common knowledge, but uh, with most major credit cards, if you're an established member, you have rental car coverage. And you do even have it over in Europe. It is different, and you may not have it on all of them. But, I mean, most of us don't just have one credit card at this point. But you have to use that card to get the car. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, BCU. For a lot of people are local, your First Deck Federal Credit Union, your Costco City Card, all of those include rental coverage, including overseas in Europe. It does have a few exceptions depending on where you go, though. There are so many things your Costco card does that you it don't does. really see. It also doesn't have a foreign transaction fee, which is very useful, yes. by the way. Yeah. Uh, neither does BEC or First Deck, for that matter. But, uh, yeah, check your coverages because it's just because you have, like, most European co- uh, countries are covered, like any common Travel places are covered, but there are a few exceptions to that. So, uh, like China's a big one where a lot of places don't cover rental insurance. Weird. Yeah, shocking. Yeah. I know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So keep keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, most cards do cover that, and that did save me quite a bit of money. And they do try and scare you a little bit into it. Like looking online, if you look at you know what our coverage covers, what your credit card probably doesn't. And if you look at your credit card coverage, they usually have a dedicated customer service line you can call. To verify your coverage. It's How much really damage easy. can I do before yeah. uh, there's they, an issue? Yeah. They even have like a printout form. It's like, here, print this out and take it. This is all your coverage is. And it's actually really, really clear, really straightforward. You're not the first person to do this. I'm just saying. But before you spend a bunch of money and worry about your rental car coverage. Now, that said, nothing handles like a rent, like a rental. So a little coverage, extra coverage might be something you want to do, especially if you're like some of our previous guests who their goal is to jump every rental car they have. Guess us. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if I've ever jumped a rental car. I've definitely done donuts. I, they, somebody <laughs> gave me a Mustang down in Monterey once. That was dangerous. But uh, yeah, that was many years ago. Many, yeah, many, many. Uh, statue of limitations. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> they don't know I rented it from Hertz, so nobody can find out. So, <laughs> that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of playing with cars and driving them wildly and having the best time with cars, you may recognize our guest from a previous episode. He's back on this podcast, which is the same one, but different. Different name, same guys. Yeah, who yeah. knew? The Tim yeah. Show, welcome to the show. Great to have you back, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Good to, uh, good to see you guys on camera and talk to you. I miss having you here in person and drinking with you. but uh... Yeah, I, I know. I think it makes a lot, uh, makes a lot more fun when we're all uh we're all together he gives good hugs when he drinks i mean he gives he good hugs when he doesn't but you know it's, <laughs> hey that's how bbi has become hugger. so successful it's the hugs <laughs> yeah it's all the hugs that's um, our show we no, launched I, his I, career I, yeah exactly you're welcome because uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no. he was you know well, i think doesn't he still owe you some uh some, some wind, porsche parts some porsche parts yeah I you don't have a so. porsche anymore but uh yeah <laughs> i'll have to whittle something else out for you like for whatever you're driving 
Absolutely. Oh, raptor parts? Sure. Raptor parts. Yeah, that yeah. would work. I'll whittle yeah. something out. What do you need? Yeah. <laughs> Bigger raptor. Uh, wholesale Olin suspension for there, my Honda ooh, monkey. Ooh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, you, I mean, we know you, but uh, the, the name, obviously, BBI has uh, been notorious in the Porsche world. Uh, can you give our, our listeners, some of the ones that may have not heard your first episode, kind of where you came from and how you got here? Yeah. Uh, so back in the day, I used to work uh, up in Washington State at a place called Park Place. I uh, fell in love with cars working there. And I think yeah. you guys all know, especially if you're a local <laughs> local uh, Northwesterner. Um, then I worked for Ford All Motorsport, which he did, did a lot of Porsche racing. And that's what I caught the Porsche bug with. And then moved to Southern California, worked uh, worked at Porsche Motorsport for a stint, and then started BBI. And that uh, 15 years later, here we are. Amazing. Yeah. And now you guys are Porsche, McLaren. Those are, those are your two. What else are you guys working on? Uh, we, we try to stay all Porsche. When Anytime we work on something else is because one of our clients has, hey, by the way, we need, could you work on this car for and all the time? Every time it's just like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then it turns into this bigger project. And then, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I'll yeah. just stay. Hey, we work on Porsches. There you go. Good. All yeah, right. Well, you if yeah. you want to hear more about like the origin of BBI and Batim's story, you can have to go all the way back, way back to episode 95. I think this is 251 or 252 that you're on now. So you're, yeah, you're dating me. <laughs> you, you've, you've now dated how, how long I've known you guys. Well, and us too. <laughs> yeah, true. So, yeah, there's that. So. Um, I, I want to talk about a recent project of yours that got a lot of publicity uh, working with Hoonigan and, and, and a car you built for those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Piggy. The Hoon yes. Pegasus. Yes. Yeah. The, the Absolutely craziest. beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about the process of how that came about and, and, and what you guys did? Absolutely. So the, the inception of that car, uh, there was a guy named Joe Scarbo from Scarbo Motorsport. And he... he um, well, it's Scarbo Performance, but you know who's keeping track. So he showed me a long time ago, like ten years ago, showed me this concept of um, an early 911 that looked like a 73 RSR, you know, with the nines in the front and the 11s in the back, and then, um, uh, but it had a water cooled engine in it with a H pattern six speed, and it was all wheel drive with hip mounted suspension and. So I thought that was pretty neat. And then oh, this was an actual ca car, not just a, a concept at the time. No, this was okay. like a concept, but he started in on a car. So he took his 912 back back before I even met him and started cutting it apart, which that 912 is still in his mezzanine. But um, <laughs> the original the, the original concept of that I was drawn to because I, you know, 911s are my favorite cars on the planet and doing weird stuff with them is what I love to do. So it, it, it ticked a few boxes for me. Uh, what it didn't. What I didn't like was how if we're building basically a tube frame car, why are we staying within the footprint of the early 911? The other part was he was trying to put a Subaru engine in this thing. Um, okay. I'm sure Carter would like that. But, yeah, you know, I mean, you know. Like, yeah. So he was trying to put a Subaru engine in it. And that disgusted me. Nothing against Subaru. It's just <laughs> it's they don't belong boxer, in that. They're close. I mean, there's yeah, turbos sure. there's involved. Like a, it's like. It's like the weird. It's like the weird cousin, right? You're yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, we probably shouldn't make a baby. Let's not make a baby. <laughs> yeah. So that's so that's what that's what that was. And then we we just started talking, and I and uh, a couple projects I I did here at the shop with uh, Pike's Peak. So he kept the, the his his project kept 
in the back of my head. And finally, I just said, all right, well, what if we put, I need the, we, we need to drink, bring the center of gravity down real, real low. Well, he can't because there's parts of the body that, that uh, the, the tire would intrude on the envelope. And that was part of the inner, inner structure where the hood goes. And I said, well, just push everything out further. And so we did. And then I said, well, let's run 13 inch wide wheels on all four corners and make this thing a total beast. And then let's mid engine it and let's twin turbo it. And then let's all wheel drive it. So he, well, he had the all wheel drive thing down, but it evolved into trying to like, mold this Pike's Peak weapon, you know, and make it kind of look like a 911. Um, and, and we ended up seeing it through, uh, unfortunately we lost the engine prior to the race and it was blown up, uh, beyond like what we could do out in the field. And, uh, I mean, we tried everything. When I say we tried everything, we tried everything. There was uh, a stint where we didn't sleep. I didn't go to our Airbnb from Sunday morning till Wednesday sometime, you know, it was just thrashing. And so we tried everything, um, and we had to, we had to end up throwing the towel in, and it was the responsible thing to do because uh, the short time frames and lack of sleep, and then you know you have to be really on top of it there. But there's so some the safety car involved that, in there somewhere. So there, yeah. there's a little bit of safety, yeah, yeah at yeah. Pikes Peak with cliffs and all that. Yeah, um, you took first in. I mean, it's no stranger to Pikes Peak. You were first in 2021 Open Class, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah and then uh, first in the Cayman GT4 series and third in uh, TA1. Yeah. So that was good, and then the year, uh, then this year we ha we had an entry with Brumos, uh, with David Donahue driving. We got first in Time Attack One, so that was that was cool. Yeah, um, yeah, and then 2019 we got first in TA One and still hold the record for record, the yeah. quickest 911 up that hill, um, which is so you know we're we're trying to take all of all of the stuff that we've learned there, put it into one car, you know, from all the other cars that we've 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 done. You know, I like the mid-engine weight distribution of the Cayman, like the all-wheel drive of the stock turbo. I like the, you know, the, the horsepower of Lucy and the aero freedoms and all that. So we, we ended up um, putting this whole thing together with a crazy team. Virus Engineering did our aerodynamic work. We had um, Scarbo do the chassis and all that. And we had, Man, we had uh, elite projects in Sweden do all the body work. So the car was being designed and built at the same time in parallel. So because we had such a short time frame. And then and then coupled trying to build that thing in the middle of supply chain issues. And the the conflict in Ukraine was just fresh on the, the tip of building this car. So in Sweden, they're like, well, I don't think we're going to get carbon fiber, like raw components anymore. So we're trying to hit other vendors up, trying to ship stuff off to them. And hopefully we'll get that all shipped here and not you know i don't know so it was pretty wild it was it was dramatic i'll say that um, yeah and it was uh but we ended up doing it the car sitting down here in the shop and it, i mean we're rebuilding the engine now and getting it ready to start running next month again and start testing for the following year but the cars the car turned out wild uh ken block was was pretty 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 happy in the car and he was quick and you know but it just it, unfortunate we just didn't have enough time so it was a complete, like you said, tube chassis. There, you you didn't take a you didn't take an existing nine eleven and just rip it apart. You guys built a completely new car. Correct. Yeah, we yeah. built a completely new car. The um, the the we we used the roof, the brand new um, essentially what you'd call like a no sunroof replacement lid and windshield frame from the Porsche, and that and then we used the um, OEM door frames and handles, but everything else was is bespoke. Wow. 
That's barely yeah. a car. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, it's like a, it's as two, it's as, as it's yeah. as one off as it gets. So it was, it, it was pretty cool. Nice. Give us your thoughts on, on the new GT3. Like I said, I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's obviously being, and then now, I mean, we, we saw the new RS. I don't think I've seen a wing that big on a, on a street car in a long time. Um, so. No, it, it's, it's wild. It looks like, it literally looks like one of our Pike Speed cars. It's a, uh, Yep. Yeah. It, you know, dual <laughs> element wing, radiator out of the the hood. You know, f- f- uh, you know, barge boards behind the wheels. It, it's pretty wild. Uh, I love it. I saw that Monterey. I'm in love. You know, I like weird stuff like that. Um, it's just, it seems like, if I could draw an interpretation of what I saw there was, the internal combustion engine is doing okay in that car, right? It's making a lot of power per cubic inch. Um, they didn't really focus much more on that. I have a 992 GT3, and I think the power output's right right about the same. But they wanted to make it lightweight, make a lot more things more dynamic rather than static. So arrows, dynamic, dampers, anything that moves. So they're trying to get this thing to have more mid-corner speed, better top-end stability to, to get some lap times out of it and make a wild driving experience. Um, but I love it. I got to have one. I was going to say, I think it's the most track-focused 911 I've ever seen. From the, yeah. off the showroom floor, anyway. I mean, right. Without going and into if, a cup car, it's as close as you can get. It looks yeah, like and, a cup car. Like yeah. The wing makes it, it look it, like a cup car. I think it looks more aggressive than the cup car. <laughs> it's like if you look at a 992 yeah. cup car, then you look at that, you're like, well, you know, they, it looks a little, <laughs> it, it's pretty wild. Um, you know, and if you, I, I don't know. So you asked me what I thought about the GT3. I love the GT3. It's an awesome GT car. It's, but in order to, but enjoy what they've designed. You you have to break tremendous laws and and put every put yourself at uh, a big risk, uh, unless you're on track. Um, this, but it, it it's a great car. I think the front end's neat with the double wishbones and power delivery and transmission is awesome. So yeah. So I mean, coming from what you guys do at, uh, at BBI, do you think there's some room for improvement there? Do you think there's going to be some fun things you can do with these cars? Obviously, you're already doing some things with the GT3, but the RS. Right. No, good Good question. Um, as these cars become more and more razor-focused um, and, and essentially not for everyone, you know, they're starting to build focused actual, you know, because the 996 GT3 was a rad Carrera, right? The 997.1 yeah. GT3, also a cool Carrera. Even arguably, when it started, I saw the departure on the 997.2 GT3. And the RS was starting to, you know, take a big split from from the rest of the line. But now, you know, get into the 992, it's, you know, it, it is wildly focused. And so the, the approach to what we do to tune these cars is, is not, we're not, it's not, we're not diving as deep as we used to. You know, now it's like tweak the suspension a little, put a cool sounding exhaust on it. Cool. You're going to make seven horsepower, you know. Do some arrow bits, uh, back half roll bar safety, you know, put a better or wider wheel and tire set so you can make a little more grip or your tires last a little bit longer out at uh, out at the track. So, the the back in the day, I mean, we're we're pulling the three sixes out of the nine nine sevens and turning them to four point two liters long tube headers. There's a lot of room there and a lot of a lot of a, a bigger appetite for bigger mods. Now that there's the PDK in the car, the car is quite refined. Um, I think the appetite to go that deep into these cars, it's just easier to go get a cup car, you know, or a race car and have this as your, the dual use, you know, I can drive to the track and have fun with it type of thing. So I see the, 
the market changing and we're, we're answering to that. But, um, you know, like for the, for the RS, what, what am I going to do that thing? Yeah, so what, that's <laughs> exactly what I was going to ask. It's like, it seems like make exactly it louder. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, make, make the exhaust louder. Like, what are you going to do? So, I mean, we have ideas, but we're making a yeah. cup holder for you now. Cause why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you have I a cup holder in there, that. but this one holds two cups. Oh, that's <laughs> fancy. Yeah. 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 It seems like the the tuning market is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Like they're squeezing a lot out of these cars, and there's really I'm not seeing the wild tunes like I used to. Like when you, no, when yeah. you first started cracking in, it was like, yeah, we can tune it another forty horse out of this thing. And now you're like, like you said, five ten. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean there is power to be had, but then you're getting into like emissions issues, and you're getting into a lot of other things that we just don't want to deal with right now. Um, but yeah, I mean they're not leaving much on the table. I mean that's a high strong engine i mean even some of our wildest tuned four liter 997 medskers you know they're they're just nipping on the heels of a bone stock you know 992 gt3 and that's after a tremendous amount of tuning yeah that also scares me that you know if you have the right money you can go in and order that car it's like i feel like there should be a form like can you prove to us you can drive this (laughs) i'm fully aware i may not be able to drive it I I mean I kind of I drove a plaid the other day and I felt the same way I'm like man this, this you can just give this to Joe Public and we're we're good like you're okay with that like I don't know it's that's that it it makes you dizzy when you accelerate it's pretty pretty serious uh, that's a perfect transition you said you mentioned the plaid uh 2035 yeah. big news this week is the the final year for sales in California and Washington for I say they announced the it today ICE for the internal combustion engine um, that's a ways off, obviously. It gives you guys about you know, 12 years to experiment and play with the Taycons and learn some stuff there. Where do you guys uh, right. see your focus shifting as a I mean, California-based business? Yeah, great question. I also, in that same breath, um, I'll repeat what you said. You said 2035, um, no more sales of the internal combustion engine new. I also ha- have a <laughs> Southern California Edison put out a report today saying, please don't charge your EV vehicles yeah. today because it's too, <laughs> come on. Yeah, it's like it's like I get it, but I don't. But what what are we doing? You know, I I don't think the internal combustion engine is dead. I think we oh, no. we're just getting started. I th- meaning like its life cycle and a technology standpoint, it, that we, we're not there yet. We haven't exhausted it. We we haven't really played with biofuels. You know, engineered zero emission fuels. Hydrogen hasn't even been messed with. There's so much more to go. And when you look at like. Look, I, I, I appreciate technology. I love it. I love the electric car movement. I love all of it. But when I say love, I don't. I like it. I love internal combustion engines. <laughs> Tolerate it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, and I can appreciate it. But, you know, from a scalability standpoint, I see it. But when where, where does net zero happen where the internal, the, like, a, like, a U, like a EU6 emission standard internal combustion engine, where does that net zero with an ev like at how many miles does an ev have to drive to offset its carbon footprint from um and i'm gonna get a lot of hate for this but it's a carbon footprint from actually manufacturing the car and then when you take in its life cycle if let's let's say we call it a hundred thousand miles and the you have to ba- replace the batteries twice and there's a recycling portion of that and then the actual gross pollution that that happens to take and mine the lithium and then process it and then this so i'm asking the question really like there has to be a quantifiable set kind of miles that the, the like a modern internal combustion engine actually is better than till the here, right? Yeah, I would think. And you know, the other 
the other thing I think about internal combustion, or sorry, EVs is when you really look at it, we're moving the pollution from populated metropolitan areas, right? We're moving it somewhere else because yeah. now I have talked to a large oil company behind over a, a drink. And I said, are you guys worried? This was a couple of years ago. They're like, no, why, why are we worried? Uh, so-and-so is our largest uh, consumer of our, of our oils. Um, it's a large tractor manufacturer. And they said, they're just going to buy even more. And they're just going to offset. We're going to sell more because we're offsetting it because they're using more energy and more resources to mine, right? Because they're stuck. So, you know, when you look at the big picture of how you move it all around, uh, you know, it's a little mind boggling, but it's, it's, it's a question to be asked. I I think you have a good point. I mean, I remember like when the Prius first came out and everybody's like, it's going to save the world. And somebody goes, you know what it takes to build a Prius. You can fly around the world and like twice or something like that with the lithium mining and things like that. And I don't think they look at that. I don't think they look at the actual cost of, like you said, building a car, uh, building the car, building the batteries, what it's going to take to recycle these, you know, people driving around, let alone the cost of these. Like they were interviewing some people I, I, down in San Diego on the, at a gas station and people going, well, that's great, but not all of us can afford an $80,000, $100,000 electric car, let alone what it costs to replace the battery when you have to go back and, you know, do that. Yeah, we were talking, yeah. we had a good conversation with the guys at Resell EV about uh, um, recycling batteries and repairing them and that market coming up and the right to repair and things like that. And it's a, I still don't have a really clear, even a high level picture, like you were saying, like, where's the offset? Like, Where's the net zero on that? Because I don't know how much strip mining goes into mining lithium and where it comes from is a big deal. Because if, if, if it's nasty from what, I, what I've it, done. It is. All, yeah. all strip mining it, is nasty. Yes. But it's like, if I don't it has know what to cross an ocean from. or two. Yeah. If it has to yeah. cross an ocean or two through port, through train, through, then you start looking at this commodity that we're, you know, it's a commodity now. And I mean, there's, you can quantify it. There's got to be, there's got to yeah. be studies on this because. You know, but that's what I'm asking that question. It's not like I have any answers. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not naysaying electric. I just, there has no, to be no. something there like behind the curtain that we're, we have to. I think they're ignoring it though. Because like you're talking about the fact they want everybody to go electric, but don't drive your car today and turn down your air conditioner because we don't have the power grid to deal with this. Yeah. And then don't use water to cool off because we don't have any more. So yeah, that too. you guys are good, right? You're good. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Sit Canada's. at home and hit it, sit at I, home in the heat like a good person. And, yeah, Canada's going to be sitting real pretty in about fifty years. I think. Tell you Just saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, like the richest country in the world by default. <laughs> right, right. No, but those are all wow. questions that you know that those are all questions that are, I think, coming down the pipe. And I think, I I don't know. I don't know. I I still have hope for. Look, I, look, my business. If you look out of my shop right now, I have. Two 992s in there and a GT4 Club Sport, a 997, and then a bunch of early cars, right? I have four air-cooled cars, a 72, a 73. These are all cars we're working on. And, you know, air-cooled business constitutes of almost almost 60% of my gross sales. Wow. Is that, yeah, because our engines we're building, the, you know, all the air-cooled stuff. So you asked me earlier, where is my business going with the, the dawn of the EV? Well... Do I need to go EV? I'm not going to, I'm not like, it'd be like saying, Hey, now that the cars are water cooled, don't work on them anymore. Right. You know, don't work yeah. on the air cooled anymore. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, people are still racing horses at the Kentucky Derby. I mean, the, the I, internal combustion engine is going to be a luxury. It's like these electric cars. If I had to, you know, really think about it, 
I'm going to ask the magic wand or the magic globe or whatever the hell we're talking about. I'll say, hey, what's it going to look like in 30 years when my son's driving, you know, and my son's my age or whatever? What, what's it going to look like? Well, the, the electric vehicles and self-driving vehicles are going to be the pods, right? And they're going to be just, just like the iPhone. They're going to be a tool to do something with. And I'm going to get to work. I'm going to get to dinner. I'm going to get – but the, the internal combustion engines, if still allowed to drive on the street – will be the high heels and the fancy dinners. It's going to be the Kentucky Derby. It's going to be, we're still going to race them. We're still going to have a good time with it. You know, I, I just, there's, there's Formula One and then there's historics, <laughs> right? People are still loving the historics. They're, a horse is a horrible thing to race, but people still go there and then they, they buy $25 drinks to watch it. And I think that's what's going to happen with, with, with this stuff. So I'm not worried about it from what my business and we'll always adapt and I'll just work on earlier cars or, or become a coach builder and build bespoke 10 unit high level automobiles, which is kind of where we're going. But um, we're, we're going to, we're going to transition into that slowly, but my right now, I know it sounds maybe arrogant, but we're not slowing down. Um, I'm not worried about 2035 yeah. right now. Yeah. Nor, nor should I, I mean, I, my energy should be in today and the next six months and, and then the next five years. And then after five years, then, we can reassess and, but, but I also like, I like the electric car. I mean, I had a Tesla for a year and a half and I loved it. It was so yeah. easy to drive and it was just like mindless. It was an office with a big screen, good Bluetooth, good stereo, plug it in when I'm not using it and everything was fine. Um, but I ended up selling it and now I drive an 04 Chevy pickup with 250,000 miles because I like old, <laughs> <laughs> old things. Nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. I mean, mm -mm. I don't know. I, it's, it's a market that I, I, I get, I think, you know, but you look at, you know, we have a friend up here who just got his Tycon back because he pierced a battery and it took forever to get it, Ooh. you know, so there's all those little things and the fact that, you know, you know, it's, it's battery replacement and I, 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 it's, it's, let's go back to the point where they're selling people plaids. I don't think they should be doing that either. <laughs> I mean, Especially that is with the, with the Knight Rider steering wheel. It just seems dangerous. The steering wheel is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we're just lucky that it has a good enough control system in it to keep that thing under wrap. But you know what? There, there's also physics, right? Mm -hmm. It rains in it rains in Washington State a lot. There uh -huh. is, I mean, a hundred miles an hour is a hundred miles an hour. I don't care what you're in, and you turn a corner <laughs> and and you're not making downforce. There's as, it, you can only aid so much, you know. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But um, yeah, and you, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen or heard of too many of those things getting balled up, but. Yeah, but I the first thing I said when I drove it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is crazy!" And then I took like yeah. eight friend, of my friends for rides in them, and then <laughs> I was like, "I can't believe they just let people buy these with money." But it's also <laughs> like, but it's also kind of like a, a a street bike, right? Like a like a Jixer, or I mean, you're like, "Oh, this yeah. is insane!" Like, okay, yeah. here, like, you got you got nine grand, cool here. Yeah. So it's I my guess, first motorcycle. I remember I was yeah. in my early twenties and I had a CBR one thousand double R and an RC fifty one. And nobody in their early twenties has it unless you're like the. Should you really actually have that? No, I should not have had that. I I should have gone to jail many many times and yeah. I lived somehow, which was never really the plan. But here I am. It right, is amazing. Right. I owned a, a Busa for a week, so I've you know yeah. careful. <laughs> but uh, uh, last time we talked to you. Many episodes ago, uh, you guys were starting to do 3D printing with titanium. Pretty cool yeah. stuff that you guys were innovating. What has been, it's been a couple of years now. What is the cool thing BBI is doing that everyone should know about? Because I love the technology. You guys are always jumping on the cool stuff. Right. So, good, yeah. Uh, so we, we, we've been doing a lot of 3D printing. 
uh, a lot of titanium, uh, working with a, a few companies here in the States, but one in particular in Austria, uh, they're, they're called Pankle. They, they have a huge uh, additive manufacturing facility there that they partnered with a local university. And since then, uh, we, had, we had a uh, an intern every six months from the university that actually worked at their facility to come here, help us with designs and just look at what applied knowledge does, um, you know, and like trying to bring apart from concept to prototype to being a part that's on the shelf that the public can buy um, and trying to utilize additive manufacturing as a case study. Um, we've learned a lot in that amount of time. There's a place for additive manufacturing, and I think it's growing, um, especially with we, we also use a, a company uh, called Autodesk. Uh, they have a, a pretty a few pretty neat um, sub sub programs that we use fusion 360 we designed basically all of the the hill climb car in that and then we started messing with some of their their plugins with uh generative design which um essentially uh utilizes a little bit of machine learning a lot of input and it and it starts to shape parts for you based on load paths strengths and now we're used some of it for our headers and for uh, our intake manifold on the hill climb car and um that that was really really cool to be a part of um so we're going to press pretty heavily on that. Uh, but now we have, I think, six different intake manifolds that we sell to, you know, uh, that's 3D printed. Uh, exhaust components, collectors, center pipes, tips, out of, out of titanium, aluminum, and inconel. Uh, so, yeah, Dang. a bunch. And we're just – and I want to continue pressing on that because I love – it fits our, our market so well because we're low volume, uh, you know, high-quality you know, high output. Um, and you were right in the middle of like, do we tool up and, and make expensive tooling to produce 10 sets or do we pay a little more per part, 3d print it, do some post-processing, and then you have something kind of even cooler. Um, so it, it fits where we are really well. There's like divergent that are, they're, um, they're, they're starting to actually manufacture 3d printed parts for OEs. Aston Martin's one of their big OEs that they're doing chassis nodes with, um, our next part right now that we're working on that hopefully by the end of fall will be a titanium back half harness bar for these cars um, that has oh, titanium cool. 3D printed nodes all over the place um, for, and we've done strength analysis on it. And so that's going to be cool. It's going to weigh nothing, which will be good. Um, not a roll bar. It's a harness bar. Yeah. And, but uh, yeah, we, we've been playing a lot with, with those technologies and, and I'm watching all of it kind of, kind of grow. And it's really cool to, cause I obsess on this stuff when it's, new very new and 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 this little newborn technology and and it's only used in aerospace or on satellites i'm like well i want it i want to do something there and then as the market forms around it and the demand goes up the prices come down the the feasibility of then the the tools surrounding that program start to start to grow and that really helps that's interesting. How much of the R&D can be done on a computer before you actually print a part? I mean, I know it's a lot probably easier to print a part than mill a part or, or, you know, or cast a part. But I know, you know, we've all seen, you know, shows where they're, they're, they're putting product testing in, on a computer. They're showing weak points and things like that. And how much time does that save? Tremendous. Uh, Tremendous. We built this car from scratch from nothing in four and a half months. That's starting design, wow. getting the parts, and then testing on June 2nd uh, at at, in Colorado. Um, we couldn't have done it without that. We, a lot of the stuff you're kind of like, you know, case in point, the engine, not enough simulation went into that. And we, we found a problem. <laughs> okay. and so, but I, I, I mean, that's a good question. I'd say a lot. I'd say 
I'd say tight timelines help help you push processes through faster, but you you leave yourself open to failure. Um, but, but look, if we had ten years and gazillions of dollars, you can do anything, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I don't know. Elon Musk flies rockets to 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 space, and he's got ten years and gazillions of dollars, right? So when you when you don't have the budget or the time. You have to be creative. You have to utilize your resources at a, in a very, very efficient manner. Um, uh, but like I said, it's not ideal. I mean, sometimes validation processes aren't aren't ideal. And um, but you have to break shit to figure out how to fix it, right? And yeah. nobody wrote the book on what we do, and nobody wrote the book on being an independent flying a rocket to space. I'm not saying I'm, there's any parallels there, but uh, it's you, you just have yeah, you have to try things, you know, and you have to be willing to push it and prototyping really helps a small shop like us, like a grassroots shop like us do things at that level. Um, but you learn well, a lot on the process. At the end of the day, if you don't put something into concept and do it and put the engine in the car and blow it up, you can't tell the computer where it's going to fail in the future so that it can do that test. So, you know, yeah. yeah. All of a sudden like, you're like, Oh, thanks computer. That didn't work. It broke yeah. all of the models like completely different after you you're put probably... that in there. <laughs> the computer's like, Oh, uh, engine's unbreakable. Want to bet? Yeah. <laughs> right. Wrong. Wrong. Titanic Wrong. V2. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that worked well. That I worked should have well. nicknamed this car Titanic. But no, um, <laughs> exactly. I mean, y y the unsinkable. That's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, but to, yeah, that was a long-winded answer to your question. It, it's, yeah. I mean, it's massive, massive help for us. 90% um, of the time, it's, it's where you need it to be, uh, maybe 80%. The, the other 20% requires a lot more responsibility, testing. Simulation is great. Simulation gives you an error window, so you can actually say, hey, I need this thing to be 45% stronger than what I think it needs to be or what you're telling me it needs to be, and you can add that in and then build the things up. And But the very, very, very cool part about generative design is it just will strip the unnecessary away. And pretty soon you have a bracket that was a right angle with a gusset looks like this like a, a like bone like nature made it you know with these holes and they there's a load path instead of straight down it kind of goes up and around and it, just really really weird things that it changes as you break it right then you put that model back and you just say hey and typically typically <laughs> yeah typically the reason why it broke is because you you're the variables that you're putting in the computer weren't right you didn't know what that true load path was and you didn't know that a 3D printed piece of material had a strength modulus of 98% of what the billet counterpart could be after you hip it and do like get rid of all the inclusion. So there's, it, it really is, I should back up. It's human error. It, you know, what do they say? Computers put, they give you what you put in. Right? Yeah. They put well, out they what, get you, what you put in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the biggest learning process is understanding what those load criteria are and understanding the material properties, uh, understanding the processes, because like I said, we don't have a huge R&D team here. We have like three people. We don't have a material science division. We have a lot of resources and friends that we can call up. Um, you know, Porsche doesn't divulge any sort of stress modulus on any parts at all. So you have to go out and break things or cut them apart and look and send them out to the lab. So everything's about reverse engineer try to improve upon it as to what you're designing it to do. So, you know, like Porsche made a great car, but we want to go do something else with it. So you have to kind of like dress it, you know, you, you know, like I'm in a Hawaiian shirt today, so I'm having a podcast. But if I were to go 
to a wedding, I'm going to put a suit on, right? So the Porsche needs to change for the for the event. Um, and with that, you, you break shit along the way. <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're talking about the, the, the technology we have now of 3D printing. They're printing food. They're printing. You're printing in metals, which yeah. is pretty cool. And I mean, I've seen a lot of this stuff where they're talking about things that you can print and you can do to the like. In, let's use like an intake that people they're printing intakes and things like that. And there are things they'll be able to do. They can, uh, you know, they can change the wall of the intake with the 3D print that they couldn't do that with with tooling and things like that because you couldn't get a tool in there. Can you talk about a, an, an an idea or something that like that where you go, well, we weren't able to do this with a, with a casting, but we we're able to do it with 3D printing kind of thing. Perfect. I mean, that to me is the the best the best use case for 3d printing outside of the volume and the, the, the barrier to entry on, on production is, is the, the imagination side of what typically you can do. Uh, so you talked about casting, let's say we're casting an intake manifold. When they talk about casting, you have to have drafts, meaning that when you pull the mold apart, you can't have something like, I don't know if you can see my hands, but you can't have like an underhang and then the mold has to come apart in those areas or you have to have what's called a draft or it has a slight taper to it so as it pulls apart the taper goes away um radiuses with sheet metal exhaust i mean we could take you heard of equal length headers well yeah. what what it really is is the equal volume header so each tube should be equal volume well you you know what you can do you can have a real short tube that's bigger or shaped differently you could change pulse velocities with tube shape now with printing you know rather than i mean you can still kind of bang out metal and i'm sure there's some beautiful Italian man in Italy that can hand shape an F1 hand, header yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Right. And he does, and she does, or whoever does, but <laughs> you know, I've got a week and a half to do it. So I don't have six months and two bazillion dollars. So, but yeah, to your point, you can do wild, wild shapes. Um, you can, but there are limitations still to one of which is your imagination because we, we work in a subtractive manufacturing uh, mindset. Everything is carve it out of billet or make a tool and cast it or injection mold it. Uh, the other part is, um, you know, the sometimes you, you can't print beyond 45 degrees with two different angles coming into it. So but as software develops and machine learning is moving forward, there are a couple companies out there that are doing what's called supportless printing, um, which they're changing laser heat frequencies into the powder that's actually allowing different areas to cool faster and it draws the part back in. I mean, it's wild for wow. like de deformation. So it deforms back. You're printing it in a different shape and as it cools, it's deforming into the shape that you you're want. planning the, de the deformation. Def yeah. Deformation? And, and that <laughs> comes back, that, that comes back to just input. How much does this computer need to, you know, and then you do it, you do it once and then you do it again, you do it again. But, okay, cool. Now it's the shape. So what did I start with? Um, so it's, I think we're just, we're at the tip of that technology and it's exciting. Wow. Yeah. That's the, man, I can't believe how fast it's come along. I think maybe unbelievable. Necessity. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Since we talked last, it was like, I shouldn't say it was the infancy of it, but to me for where it was two years ago to today, um, two and a half years ago, really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's. Actually, what, what are we in September? We're almost in September. It would have, it's going to be three Tomorrow. years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be three yeah. years in 10 days, I think. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, point is, it, it, the rate of acceleration of that technology and the usability is, is, is pretty, pretty impressive. Wow. And there's a lot of other things going on like that around us, like in the EV market, watching these cars and what they're doing. It, it, it's it's pretty, pretty impressive, like the way this is going. 
I don't ever want to be the old dinosaur that, no offense, and your <laughs> old dinosaurs are great. Uh, but they make fuel. I, so, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, they, they, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the person who stagnates. But um, even if I build an old cars, old internal combustion engines, I will always do everything I can. And our group here will do everything we can to utilize and take advantage of current technologies, you know, um, as much as we can. Yeah, sure. What do you think of, I've, I asked this a little before, but I didn't really get a, a clear, concise answer on it. What do you think is the most exciting thing coming up for, for you in the manufacturing spec, even if you're not doing it yet? Like, what, what are you seeing out there that's getting you really excited? You know. I mean, you said supportless uh, printing, which is a pretty big deal. People know yeah, about supportless printing, how big, big deal yeah, that is. Supportless yeah. printing is really cool. Um, you know, the machine learning side of things, and I, I, I refuse to use artificial intelligence yet in the manufacturing process, which some people are doing, but machine learning, I think it's going to really aid us in efficient manufacturing uh, at low volume and at high volume. I think, I think it's going to, the more information that we are feeding all of this, the, 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 the more concise and, and, and quicker we can get the end product done. Um, that has tremendous amount of impact with not only environmental time, resources, money. Um, it just makes everything better. Um, the other, the other thing that I'm excited about is I, I've been trying to learn more and more about aerodynamics, and that that has a, it, it's 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 pretty cool. So we work with Virus, and those guys are insane. Um, they 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 basically them and Oil Stain Lab, between that Oil Stain Lab, I don't know if you guys ever heard of them. They do uh they they're a design company down here, and they built this thing called the Half Eleven, um, which I thought might have been up at. Up in Seattle, not too long ago. Yeah, it's it's like the half front of a 911, no windshield. It has an LS behind you, and like it looks like an old like like 70s. It looks like it's a hot car. Yeah, it's incredible. And yeah, uh, the brothers they they did all the shaping of the the Huna Pegasus, and then Virus oh, did all the validation. Yeah. So they did essentially those two guys, designers, aerodynamicists, <laughs> work together. Right now, you You're see talk, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. like red, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's that's... it's wild. Um, so aerodynamics, and I think that's touching back on what you said about the GT3 RS. They left the engine pretty much alone, and they just said, "Hey, we can play with the airflow around and through this car uh, to make it a lot better, a lot more efficient." EV stuff should should and does pay tremendous amount of attention to aerodynamics, low drag. Yeah. Um, you know little weird turbulators underneath the car that, that, that help create vortices to help detach it, you know, so there is no drag, a lot of little things like that. And I think there might be some room for us to mess with that in the EV world, lighter wheels, uh, you know, just stuff. Okay. It's not exciting, but Hey, you get more range, right? We're going to yeah. be talking about, by the way, you get 10% more range when you drive like a dick driving, you know, like with this aerodynamics, but that explains um, a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I don't know, everything to me, everything's exciting. It's, it's, it's an unbelievably incredible time to be in the car world and be tuning on these things and watching the evolution of from when the BBI started in 06 to now. Um, I, we're on the, the verge of the death of the ICE engine from a popularity standpoint, yet I've never seen more powerful cars come out of the factory, right? More, fa like, are you kidding me? Like, there's thousand horsepower OEM cars coming like a Ferrari SF90. Yeah. Are you joking me? Like when if somebody you know how hard it was to make a thousand horsepower ten years ago out of anything? 
Even so, like a, the very basic rudimentary Hellcat Red Eye, which is yeah. like, I mean, but, it's push rods and a big blower and no mileage and almost a thousand horsepower for, if you can find what an MSRP, you're barely breaking a hundred grand. It's nuts. I want their new electric car that has, that sounds like a charger. That's what I want. <laughs> but I mean, but also uh, one of, one of my clients and, and, a, and a kind of a mentor of mine sent me this, he sent me this article about the most dangerous thing about an EV is how boring it is to drive. So charger is <laughs> doing a good job. Right, you, you just get like, distracted and drive. What off the else road. can I keep? Yeah. Like, I don't have the cool sound of an engine. I don't have the feel, the visceral. Nothing's keeping me awake. I'm basically yeah. on cruise control in the middle aisle of, a, or the middle seat of an airplane right now. So <laughs> yeah, like, what can you do? Get distracted, read a magazine, look at your text messages. Like, what are you going to do? Like, the car's going to drive itself pretty much. So uh, the Hellcat, to me, I, I, I heard a lot of ups and downs about that, but I think it's a pretty smart move to to try to reinvigorate some of the senses of your of your body to like be a little bit more engaged in something and even if you know it's fake you're like oh but that sounds cool watch i'm gonna give it a little more gas a little bit more sound i love how they stitch this all together and so well tons of manufacturers pump in sound into the cockpit and i've been in a lot of those cars and it doesn't actually sound bad audi's famous for this and actually their cars do sound a lot better because <laughs> they were really True. muted and kind of numb already and now, I mean, a little like the S5, for example. Well, yeah. yeah, it sounds yeah. it sounds better with the sound pumped into it. Sorry. So you it's were, fake, but it does help. And from a technology standpoint, and this is something that I've really been focusing on. And you were in Monterey. Did you go, you go to Quail? Yeah. Did you see the new Koenigsegg with the manual transmission, but it's also an automatic, all in one? I mean, that technology that they're coming up with is amazing. Like it's there's a clutch pedal. It has nothing to do with it. It's a force feedback. That just that technology is. Can I show you something? Yes. So. About a year ago, I started working on that exact same project. I don't okay. know if you can see this. I've had it under my desk. And that's, oh, wow. He's holding the pedal set for our listeners, by the way. Okay. Yeah, so everything's well, – This is we're going to build an EV911. It's made out of Lego. That's so cool. No. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and so this is okay. a, essentially a force feedback yes. uh, okay. pedal with a potentiometer on it to do exactly that. I did that. not know that was under his desk when we did this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can send me a photo of that. Yeah. I don't know if you can. But yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's – <laughs> that, it's that, it's drive by wire basically the whole thing and the whole the, thing, sh yeah. the, the shift the shifter that we have is the same thing because we were going to build an ev 911 for uh, for a client uh and then we were going to turn that into a business and that mm -hmm. business i i think we might fire that back like i said i love technology i love all of it, it but yeah. it, it has to be exciting because that's that's what cars are to me and i don't every the the, the neat part about cars is everybody has their interpretation of what they do for them some people are like i could care less it's point a to point b you go to new york like i don't even want to own one because i can't park one anywhere uh you, <laughs> you know you you talk to some people they live sleep eat and breathe it some people live in them some people you know it's it's so wild the gamut of of what a automobile does to a person and if you can touch on an emotional standpoint for example making an ev actually have some sort of like, look, we all go to Disneyland. We know the shit's fake, but we like it, right? So what's wrong with the Charger? Like, the, 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 we're not really going down a real waterfall in a log, but we pay money to go do that. So You're ruining guess... so many of my childhood dreams right now, you bastard. Sorry. <laughs> Are you trying to tell me it's not really a small world after all? I'm just kidding. It's all real. Uh, okay, good, thanks. <laughs> Don't piss off the yeah. mouse. No, easy does it. Easy does it. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it's it's – to to a point, we'll accept that, right? We'll accept yeah. some sort of like a 
okay, my Audi has a speaker in it, so it sounds cool. We'll accept it. But yeah. do you really care what once you get past that? Do you care? No. All I want is that what it makes me feel, right? What it makes yeah. me think about. So the EV side, I think the, I think it's pretty neat that they're trying to make Teslas faster than shit and make them exciting. But the point is they're they're trying to touch they're trying to get a somebody like me to get in one of those cars who is an ice guy who likes yeah. internal combustion engines or you call me a knuckle dragger or whatever you want but you're trying to get me in that car um and it kind of works you know like fine it, it checks a box that's fast that's crazy and anybody in the passenger seat giggles and laughs like like they're nine years yes. old so yeah i get it um that's why this this rant was about the charger it's like look they're trying to touch a few more points of of uh they trying to be a little more visceral from the audible sound point right i'm sure the car is probably gonna be quick right it should handle well it should do all the things that the other cars do maybe but you're not gonna get that rumble unless they put speakers in the seat so which they might but at some point you have to you're screwing with you're screwing with american car history i mean as as a car guy like to take a car that is the um quintessential you know muscle muscle car like i mean it, I'd, I'd feel the same way if they made it the Corvette an electric car. It's like it, there's, there's, they will. How do you I feel know, about the Mustang? The, the Mustang's a SUV. Don't get me, start, don't get me started on the, the Mach-E. I just don't. <laughs> Minus but, the drift car from uh, our, our RTR. Or RTR, yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Right. I don't so, know. I think there's a – we missed a gap uh, in this, though, because I think McLaren is really on the right track with the P1 mm-hmm. of giving us – and Ferrari with the LaFerrari and, like, taking the true hybrid and making it – being Don't forget not, the 918. The 918, yes. Oh, we had these talking the, the three, you know, King Hypercars where yeah. it was like, hey, you know what? Let's use this, but it, not the way it was intended. intended yeah. <laughs> let's, let's make a ton of torque and let's make it really fast. And I was like, there's so much more we can do with that. Yeah, but that has trickled down, too, when you look at someone like, like an Audi Q5 that's a hybrid. The hybrid's not really there to save you miles. It's just there to kind of get you up to speed. So, Yeah, so there's a balance there. I think if you had to ask me... I think the hybrid's the way to go. I think from a yes. from a usability standpoint, a, a practicality standpoint, an efficiency standpoint, I think it's the way to go. I think it's absolutely. I mean, trains have been doing it forever, and they're the most efficient mode of transportation out there. Um, look at per gallon of fuel, a big tanker. Unfortunately, they run on bunker fuel, but it's the most efficient internal combustion engine ever. Yet it's a it's also a diesel hybrid that stays at 105 RPMs at its peak efficiency and drives a, ge- uh, a generator that then powers the electric. That makes sense to me. I dig that yeah. because guess what? We can make the noise. We can have the fun. We can put the torque anywhere we want. We can have a real peaky, high-end, wildly focused, crazy engine that makes no torque down low. It makes all the power up top and aid it a little bit, you know? And I think, yep. why can't we do that? Why do, Why do we have to like... Go, just give me. Why, why does a pendulum have to go so far one way? We're going from like Hellcat to EV, right? You know, like where where we we like you said, we missed that step in the middle. Because like all you really need in an EV is or in a hybrid is give me like twenty, maybe thirty miles of range. Yeah, and then let me go to work where I can plug in, charge for almost nothing, and I can drive thirty miles back. And, yeah. I, and like I don't even want the engine to turn on. I just need enough power to get up to speed for thirty miles. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, I have and a it, long commute. Right. And if you want to go to Issaquah or if you want to go to North Bend or if you want to go to Snoqualmie Falls, the engine fires up and it stays at its peak efficiency. It charges the batteries. Yeah. 
and cruise, yeah, give, cruise give me the red key for the fun commute and then let me yeah. turn it off when i just need to go to work and i don't care just I'd like just put me on autopilot and get me to the office because i don't i don't care when i'm doing that i care when i'm going over the pass i care when i find that back road out of idaho that's when so, i want to have my fun so then you have a less less uh battery load right so you have half the weight you have a more mm-hmm. efficient vehicle you have you don't have those weird load characteristics in the chassis that you need um you have a small fuel tank and it yep. just gets the job done you're it's it's a cruising around it's a generator it's great i <laughs> we what we like to explore all three of us like to explore we like to drive we like to be off road and the idea of being off road in a car that's fully electric like the, the, that new jeep does not make sense to me i don't i mean you know and, and then i'm laughing at jeep going we're going to put charging stations at the beginning of the trail well that helps the environment are you it's like are you guys, can i swear on this one yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, are you guys fucking high? Like, what are you like? <laughs> give me a break. There it is. There's that passion. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I just yeah. But it's like, but watch. I'm gonna eat my words. And also, they're like, we have this floating power station that doesn't touch the ground, and it pulls yeah, exactly from the, the, the the electric fuel. Like, why why aren't we messing with Tesla back in the day? You know, like Nikola had it your all. Aura. He, yeah, yeah, he had it all exactly. figured out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. You make somebody angry, and all of a sudden they they can produce enough power to make a car drive 100 miles. Like, how come we're not doing that? <laughs> Road rage. Let's you know, you fall, got an angry hamster fall. under the Yeah, under refocus the road yeah. rage. Yeah, exactly. They, need, <laughs> you uh, they just need to combine. You, you, yeah, you get mad. Yeah. 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 Flintstoning it. Yep. Yeah. But they need to combine desalinization plants with perpetual wave generators off the coast, which is bad enough to put stuff in the ocean, but we got to get our water from somewhere. It's going to happen no matter what. So okay. they just need to combine the two. So we're adding power and water into the states that don't have it anymore and just okay. pulling water from the ocean and power from the ocean. Yeah, gotta, with, the, with the polar ice caps melting, we have more water. So this is fine. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, we're good. It's a circle. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just circle. Pl- yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, okay. pure logic doesn't work when um, – Pure logic doesn't work when when bills have to be paid and rich people need to be well, richer. And th- and that's my point with this whole like you know no we were talking about initially with the cars being gone by twenty thirty five, they're not looking at this. They're not looking at the the issue. They're not looking at making the you know I'll just change focus. That's, yeah. that's the way you do it. Look you over change, here. Look yeah, over here. here. Look over Don't here. worry mm-hmm. about the fact you don't have power to run your car. You just you know this buy this car. But so. but we won't have those yucky gas engines on the road anymore. Oh, those, those, yeah, the ones that are fun. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Well, my hope is that my hope, and it's a big one, is that this will go the way of the um, the catalytic converter. Because when the first catalytic converter came out, it was pretty terrible. It really was. Like cars got terrible mileage. They got no range. You were talking, you know, 500 cubic inch motors that got seven miles to the gallon, but they were burned cleaner. And now catalytic converters don't actually, I mean, they matter, but at the same time, we can get a thousand horsepower out of a car that meets California emissions, which is pretty amazing. You want to know something so, even more messed up than that? And I'm not going to say yes. it that I've ever done it, but theoretically, you can take a 911, build the engine, make 1,100 horsepower out of it, run it on ethanol, and with no cats, theoretically, you put it on a sniffer, it burns a cleaner than an OEM 997 turbo. But theoretically, I heard theoretically. somebody, somebody did that once. Yeah, theoretically, yeah, I'm sure. Somebody, I heard somebody, somebody yes. I, I read that in a. I think I read it in an article. It was in but some, it somebody here. In, so all those people <laughs> yeah. are going around cutting out catalytic converters. They're helping people. I didn't know that. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> I love it. 
but yeah, that would have been an interesting transition is if, if the, instead of saying the catalytic converter had to be mandated, it was the emission saying that, that had to be mandated. So you mm -hmm. could do it any way you wanted. You just had to burn clean. I wonder how that would have gone. So isn't that the, the deal, right? You're putting a bandaid on a bleeding wound and you're like, well, we don't care how you got cut. We just want the bandaid on there. Like, yeah, let's fix the, fix the problem. You can't just put spark plugs in your exhaust pipe and hit it so you shoot flames. That's burning everything. That way, everything is being burned when it comes out. <laughs> it works that way, but oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> I think the better one would be take your exhaust pipe and run it back into the intake so nothing ever, you, you never Ooh. have anything, and then, then you're, everything's fixed. It's a circle. Yeah, it's a circle. <laughs> yeah. What do you call that? You could run it through the turbo on the way there, too. Yeah. <laughs> so what do we call that? A perpetual motion machine? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, <laughs> I feel like we're... Uh, I'm excited. Tim, I am super excited to see what you guys come up with next. Yeah, I appreciate uh, it. This is... Because yeah. I, love, I love seeing your products come out. Even if it's for cars I don't have, it's just really cool to see what you guys put out of the market and see what you guys are racing. Remember so. that one time when you had a 901 Turbo and I still didn't send you anything? No, I have I no, forgot about I that. I burned it out of my memory. Did you have a Porsche? No. 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 I'll get another one, though, so it's fine. Good. He was going to give you one of those Vortec generators so your, your handles didn't whistle or whatever yeah. it was. I don't know. So, right. Yeah, so yeah. If you ever roll down the windows on your 911 yeah. and you go deaf, it's because, not because of the wind. It's uh -huh. because of the bad design of Somebody should windows. make a product for that. They should. They could 3D print it even, I'm sure. Yeah. So Out of titanium. Oh, out of titanium. There you go. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, man, uh, I wish we, uh, if you're up, if you got some time up and you don't want to talk about the show and you just want to kind of have drinks, I will gladly feed you wine and hang out with you. So uh, let us know when you're awesome. down and you're around. Well, I'll so. see you guys next week then. I'll be up there. Yeah, All right. Up there, great, uh, man. We got lots to go around. Yeah, yeah, I'm leaving on Friday. So I'll be there Friday till Tuesday. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll actually be, where, where are you guys now? Are you still in Bellevue? I'm in Sammamish and he's Sammamish? out right by Dirtfish. I'm in Soquami oh, nice. right next to Dirtfish. I'm their oh, neighbor. I can cool. hear him when they fire up. So Oh, badass. So I'll, I'll hit you guys up. It'll be yeah. fun. Sounds good, man. I'd love to. Awesome. Uh, thanks for being on again, uh, being a repeat guest. Uh, you know, uh, we'll get you your check in the mail uh, as soon as possible, sir, for take, putting up with this. So I'm going to be a hunter there. Uh, I'll, put it, there. I'll put it in the return envelope with exactly. my winglets for my Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, he, he is a little saucy about that. I didn't remember. I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.